G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 74, I believe. 75! Welcome to episode 75 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute. And yes, I'm still using this, the new uh, IXY stereo microphone here plugged into the iPhone with a little windsock on top of it. I feel like a real game show host. Um, Joe Polizzi is from the Content Marketing Institute. I've been following Joe for years now uh, on his blog. He puts out loads and loads and loads of great content, as you would expect, being from the Content Marketing Institute. And they also run events all around the world. In fact, I didn't realize this, but they are pretty much an events company. Like 50% of their revenue comes from running content marketing world all over the place, uh, which is fascinating in and of itself. I speak to Joe about the importance of speaking in front of people, um, whether that's via webinar or in person or on a blog or on a podcast. I talk to him about why he named the Content Marketing Institute the Content Marketing Institute and also talk to him about sponsorship. And isn't it weird that if you're a company and you're running a podcast or putting on events that you get other companies to sponsor you because you're already making money out of the podcast and the events? We had a very interesting conversation about that and we also talk about the importance of having an opinion which is something that I'm a big fan of. Um, James Fulton from WP Elevation is still sitting here next to me watching us do these intros which is kind of fun and weird at the same time. Anyway um, without further ado let's go and meet Joe Joe Polizzi after our little intro. Stay with us, let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Hey, this episode of the WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, which if you don't know by now is a plugin that you install in your client's websites and it puts about 85 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, WP SEO by Yoast, WooCommerce and Google Analytics. Frankly, if you're teaching your clients how to do WordPress any other way, you're a numpty. You should check out the plugin at videousermanuals.com. You can get it for $1 for your first month and try it out on your client's websites. And then it's $24 a month after that for an unlimited amount of client websites, which frankly is just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, as I said, check it out at videousermanuals.com. This week, Joe Polizzi is from the Content Marketing Institute. He's a very um, animated, very magnetic guy to interview. I had a great time interviewing Joe. We could have talked for for hours. Um, and uh, he's from the Content Marketing Institute, and I've been following him for quite some time. And we speak a lot about he, making his transition from being an employee to being a freelancer and being a business owner and starting, it, starting and growing his own business and where their revenue comes from, what their business model is, whether it's client services or products, and the importance of content marketing. And I love that most of his answers to the elevation round are the same answer. So you'll have to stick around and uh, find out what that answer is. I'm also giving away a copy of Joe's latest book called Epic Content Marketing. And uh, what I didn't announce in the interview is how you enter that competition. So I'm going to tell you right now. In order to enter this week's competition, you need to put a comment underneath this video, which is at wpelevation.com slash joepolizzi. That's J-O-E-P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. And tell Joe the number one problem you have with getting content from clients. And Joe will swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. And I will send whoever wins a copy of Joe's latest book, Epic Content Marketing. So without further ado, let's go and meet Joe Polizzi. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation. And I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from the US of A, Joe Polizzi. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Troy, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. For those that don't know, uh, Joe is the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, a writer, an author, a speaker. We're going to talk all about that uh, in more detail. And a quick announcement, I'm giving away a copy of Joe's new book called Epic Content Marketing. Stick around for details on how you can enter that competition to win a copy of that book. Hey, Joe, before we start talking about all the good stuff, social media, content marketing, the web, entrepreneurial when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, it's interesting. Growing up, I had multiple notebooks. I always had a notebook on me. I always wanted to do something. I knew I want to start some kind of a business. Uh, at first, I thought I wanted to be a farmer, and then I realized I, I everything I put in the ground, nothing grew, so I couldn't <laughs> do that. Uh, and then my father was a restaurant owner, so I grew up watching him cook, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to go into the restaurant business. And then I went and started doing some work for my uncle and grandfather. They were in the funeral home business, so I started to learn a little bit about that. Uh, so knew something around owning a business, uh, being an entrepreneur. So that, that was why it was so special in 2007 when I started my own gig. It was 
it was something that I wanted to do for a long time and finally, you know, took the leap. So what were you doing prior to 2007? You were working for the man? Working for the man. You got it. Uh, you know, got my master's at Penn State University in the middle of Pennsylvania. And then I uh, uh, did a couple odd jobs trying to find something just to pay the bills and worked for a company called Penton Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with Penton, Penton is the largest independent business publisher publisher in North America. So they publish about 150 different magazines in all kinds of markets. And I ran the content marketing group or the custom media group for Penton. So if a customer didn't want to advertise, they basically sent them over the wall to us and we tried to figure out how we could uh, create products and services for them around content marketing services. Gotcha. So at what point did you, I mean, it is a scary thing to, to, to step out on your own. What gave you the, you know, what put you in the headspace where you just took the leap Boy, you know it's interesting. I, I, I had a you know heart to heart with my my wife actually. I mean, it's something I'd want to do forever. And as there's always an excuse, right? There's all you can always say, no, no. I mean, my kids were two and four at the time. We got wow. kids. We got bills. It's not the right time. You, she wanted to stay home with the family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and finally, uh, there was some mixing. There was some stuff going on at work where Penton was bought out by another company. And I thought, well, if there's going to be a time, because there's a whole new regime coming in, I was going to report to a new person. I said, well, now is the time to do it. And we sat in a room, my wife and I, and we said, and we said okay, here's the date. It was March 30, end of March, March 31st of 2007. I said, that's going to be the date that I leave. And that was my last day at Penton. And, uh, you know, the next week, April 2nd, 2007 is when I started the company. So, you know, it's just finally after so many i should have started a way sooner troy yeah, it should have yeah. been 10 years before but finally got to a point where i was feeling comfortable i had a good idea thought it was a good idea and then uh, and then went to took the next step from there i'm curious about what kind of prep you'd done to launch content marketing institute because that would have been around about the time that i was kind of getting into building websites for clients and i started my agency in you know mid 2009 Uh, went from freelancer to agency and by then you guys were in full steam and I knew exactly who the Content Marketing Institute was and I knew who you were and I was following your blog and I was learning as much as I could from you. Here we are some, you know, six, seven years later and I finally got you on the podcast. But I'm curious... (laughs) It's about time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, and that's a whole other story, but I'm curious what kind of prep had you done when you... Did you literally just walk out of Penton Media and go, well, here I am now, I'm going to start a new company? Or had you kind of been doing some prep on the side in, in, in preparation for that step? You know, you know I, I actually worked, uh, created a business plan. I created a strategic business plan. Uh, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Did all the research, you know, went to some mentors who were business owners and did the whole thing and put together a, you know, 40-page business plan that as soon as I started the company, I put it in a drawer and I never looked at it again. So a lot of value that, <laughs> that worked out perfectly well. Um, I mean, the, the biggest issue, the biggest thing that I do now that I learned from that is I write down my goals. And I started doing this so, shortly after I launched the business. I write down all my goals and I review them almost every day. So I know what are my financial goals? What are my spiritual goals? What are my family goals? I know what those are and I review them all the time to make sure, am I on target? Am I, it was, was what I'm gonna do today does it make sense with what those goals are? Uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this email because I'm not going to accomplish the goals that I want to, to get accomplished today or tomorrow or whatever. That's super important. So from that business planning process, the actual act of writing it down and making it real is important. Now, the actual business plan itself, probably not all that important, but I did learn something from the activity. Mm. It's, very, it's a very humbling experience reaching out to mentors and getting advice from people and kind of going cap in hand and saying, listen, I really don't know what I'm doing. I want some help. I've got an idea, but you've, you're obviously more experienced. Did you, was that, I, I know I've personally found that challenging, that, that kind of humble act, reaching out and asking for help from mentors. Is that kind of a struggle that you went through or did it seem like a perfectly natural thing for you to do? Well, the good news is, is that when I was working at Penton, I was able to, I mean, I did a lot of traveling, built a lot of relationships and I tried to, you know, I tried to do a lot of things, a lot of favors, I guess you'd call them. You know, when somebody needed me, I was always there. So it was a little bit easier to reach out from that standpoint. I went to a lot of events. Mm. Events are the best place to go where you can meet people because like, you know, it's harder for you and I to get together because we haven't met yet. Mm. You know, if you meet somebody in person, the next step is so much easier to do that. So going to events is a huge part of that thing. 
Um, I would say at first, yes, because I knew nothing about, even though I grew up around launching businesses and I come from an entrepreneurial family, I didn't know anything about launching a business. I mean, I'm still eight years into this and still learning mm. how to effectively run a business. And, you know, you think you, as soon as you think you know it all, you learn something you're like, I know nothing about this business. So, yeah, I mean, the good news is, is now I'm at a point where nobody really knows anything. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> and the people that you're reaching out to as a mentor, they were in the same position you were. Yeah. You know, they didn't know anything either. And so, you know, you, you help out enough people that starts to come back with you. I'm a big believer in that kind of karma. So, you know, you just do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Um, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? When someone, when you meet someone for the first time at a Christmas barbecue or something, they say, what do you do, Joe? How, what's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Well, I can't say content marketing because <laughs> if I'm talking to somebody that's not marketing, they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Um, if I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know anything about what I do, I either say I'm in publish the publishing business or I'm in the marketing business, uh -huh. and then it you know dries up from there because nobody wants to talk <laughs> about that. But if I'm talking to a marketer or a business owner, I basically say, you know, we teach businesses how to uh, how to create more business by building an audience, by attracting people to their websites, and then selling them something after that and not having to advertise in it. So, I mean, that's whole, the whole essence of content marketing is, hey, instead of going out and selling something directly, I'm going to build an audience, and I'm going to build that audience by creating such valuable, relevant, compelling content on a consistent basis that I become the leading expert in that particular content area. So that's not one sentence, and that's, that's not an mm. elevator pitch, but that's probably the easiest way to explain yeah. it. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, uh, content marketing uh, in a little moment, um, but I just want to get to know a little bit more about what it means for you to be running this business at this point in your life. What do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? Are you, are you just in emails and spreadsheets or are you in front of the camera producing training? No, you know what? I'm, I'm, my job is to be out as much as possible. So I do as much speaking as I can. I probably will do around 60 or 70 gigs this year. Mm. Uh, obviously all over the world. I mean, I'll be in Sydney in three weeks. We have our event there, Singapore. Um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm doing a number of keynotes because I'm just trying to evangelize the whole idea of content marketing, getting in front of new audiences. So, you know, if we want to reach a group of financial experts or we want to reach manufacturing, you know, I'm the one that goes in and I'll do the speech and I'll talk about that and I'll really be the, the consultant that I can meet in front of as many people as possible. I'm in charge of strategy. So any new opportunities, maybe a business purchase, if we see an opportunity there, and then I'm in charge of making sure the morale of the team is up, that everybody's, you know, everybody understands the vision. Um, so that's that's changed from, let's say, four years ago, where I was really involved in the day-to-day -day operations. I am not anymore. They barely let me do anything anymore, <laughs> Troy. Like, they don't give me any responsibility. They're like, you know, Joe, you know, if you need, if you, if somebody needs to learn about content marketing, they throw Joe out there. If something needs to get done with the content, it's not Joe. Right. So, I mean, I love that role because I love my team. They're fantastic. And, you know, I know what my role is. And my role is to just keep building this thing up so it grows into the biggest thing possible. It must be um, it must be nice and uh, it, it must be very rewarding to be in that position where you've got the right people in the right seat doing the right job in the business so you can actually just do what you do best and what you love and you're not kind of tied down by the, the nitty-gritty uh, details. You know, the, you know, the interesting thing, Troy, the, the, it, the hardest part was let me letting go of things. Yeah, right. Because I'm a control freak. Yeah. And I like, for example, and you know this because, you, you know, we were dealing with my team, um, I... I used to control my calendar. Now yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I'm actually not even allowed to touch my calendar. Wow. You know, when I, when things are due on a content standpoint, the team's really good about, you know, making sure Joe knows exactly because they know that I'm gone all the time doing my thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was letting go of that and make, and really believing and trusting in my team. And you know what, letting them fail a little bit too, yeah. letting them figure it out. And they became confident and with their confidence, then we brought on new people and it, you know, it just spirals ahead. It's, it's, it's really cultural in nature. It's really interesting you mentioned that um, I've been kind of letting go more and more of control and letting our team fail as well. And I actually find it really rewarding. And I think it's because I've been learning over the last 76 or 77 episodes of this podcast. I've heard this so many times that it's just now, I've like, it's like I've been brainwashed by people who are doing it and succeeding. It's the best thing about having a podcast is you get all this free consulting all the time. Oh my gosh. 
Hey, you know what? And that's the one thing I didn't, you know, because we're, we're in Robert and I are in episode 68 or 69 of our our podcast. And what's amazing is because we, we cover the news every week. Yeah. We don't even have to look for the news anymore because our audience sends it to us. It's yeah. the greatest thing ever. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. Bonnie. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Oh, I heard you and um, Jay Bear on uh, Michael Stelzner's podcast recently. Oh, sure. I was listening yeah. to and um, I was doing a little bit of research. I wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit before I had you on this show. And that's the amazing thing about podcasting is that you I feel like now I know all these people all over the world because we've kind of hung out and, and, and shared some experiences together. When, when did podcasting for you become something that you just knew that you had to do and you had to embrace? Because you have embraced it. I mean, you've got a podcast network. Oh, we have a network. oh yeah, we went, we went off the deep end in, in our belief about podcasts. You know, what's interesting is Michael Stelzner, he's the one that was on me. You know, like I sort of convinced him to do an event He's been convincing me to, you know, do the podcast. And for all the time, he said, Joe, we're, you know, our podcast is going gangbusters. You have to do one. You have to do one. And then I was against it because I'm like, I don't want another thing to do. I don't need more activity. And then Robert Rose, who's our chief strategy officer. He, so Robert and I are on our podcast, This All Marketing, together. And we were on a conference call together. I was driving. I think I was in Phoenix and he was in London or something. And we were just talking. We were doing our normal, like, weekly call. And he said, he said, you know what, we, we should like record this. I said, yeah, absolutely. The next Saturday, we recorded it, talked about basically the same thing and published it out the next day. And we had episode one and it's been amazing. And what's really amazing is what we found, like we, we started the podcast. Then three months later, three or four months later, we were at Content Marketing Sydney. And I asked, you know, we asked a question, how many of you listen to the podcast? Something like half of the people that showed up at that event listened to the podcast. And you're right. They come up to you. They know exactly what your likes are, your dislikes. They send you things. It's amazing. And I mean, we also monetize it and make money off it. So that's even better. But even if we didn't, it's the greatest marketing tool out there for really, I call it the true believers. Like if you really want to reach the true believers. Yeah. You got to do it through podcasts, the most intimate form of communication out there. Yeah, awesome. I want to talk a little bit more about um, uh, the, the podcast in a second. Um, before we get there, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night besides your two kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're older now. I mean, they're they're eleven and thirteen, so yeah. it's 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 fantastic. You know what? Uh, nothing really keeps. I mean, we. I feel really confident. I guess the one thing that I would change. If there was one thing is, um, you, I mean, you, I don't know if you, you're familiar with United Airlines. Yeah. United Airlines, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. We do our biggest event, the biggest content marketing event here in Cleveland. And United left Cleveland as a hub. It's harder to get into Cleveland. That affects my business. Right. So I'm out working all the time talking to a lot of people to figure out how we can get more airlift into this city because right. I don't want, you know, if you're, if you're coming from Sydney and you want to go to the event, mm. you might have a couple puddle jumpers to take just to get into Cleveland. Yeah. I don't that I don't I don't need to set any more barriers for you to get there. So that's something that's not really in our control, but you know, if we if I can go out and talk to the leaders of this area and keep talking, I mean, so that's one thing that does concern me about the future of my business. So. Wow, that, that, that's kind of a much bigger issue than what I hear from most entrepreneurs on this show. <laughs> yeah, I need well, more you know, airlines. We're trying to get an airline to get more planes into the state, you know. <laughs> Uh, what do you, what do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you stay balanced and and not you know not explode? Man, I uh, well in the summer I go golfing. Uh-huh. I I work out every day. Uh-huh. Uh, I run two half marathons a year. Wow. I uh, spend a lot of time with the kids as much time as possible. My oldest loves Lego bricks, so uh-huh. we're building Lego bricks all the time. He's in. He does like uh, likes to do on um, uh, computer programming and stuff. Uh, my youngest loves sports. So we're really into basketball right now. So since LeBron, LeBron James came back to Cleveland and he's with the Cleveland Cavs, we're all into basketball. Uh, so yeah, as much time with the kids because now I'm on. We're on the downside. I, you know, five six years they're going to be out of the house. I don't have a lot of time with them, wow. so I'm trying to spend as much time. So that's one reason why during the summers, our summer, not your, our summer is June, July, August in Cleveland, Ohio, and I stay home. So once I have a trip to Norway, the first week of June, I am home until Content Marketing World, the second week of September. I don't go anywhere, and we have a lot of family time. Cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about Content Marketing Institute because I'm, what I, you know, when, when I sort of first discovered the Content Marketing Institute, um, I knew what content marketing was, but no one had really kind of owned 
that corner of the room. And I learned this from Dan Kennedy, who, who once said, you know, and I'm sure he didn't make it up. I mean, this, this has been around since the Roman Empire. All this kind of stuff's been around since the Roman yeah. Empire. But he said, if you want to own a category, the best thing to do is to invent that category, right? And I was watching what you were doing with the Content Marketing Institute. I thought, this guy's very clever because there's no one else in this space. Everyone's talking about content marketing, but this guy started the Content Marketing Institute. So instantly, you are the number one in that space, right? So my question is, and for a lot of people listening, how the hell do you have the kahunas to go, well, you know, everyone's talking about this. I'm just going to start the institute and own that space. It's so funny. It's funny hearing you talk like that. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, there is some truth to what you're saying. Um, so I've been in the, so I, I started in this industry in 2000. It was not called content marketing. It was called custom publishing, custom media in the States, in, uh, in Europe. It was called customer media or customer publishing. Nobody liked those titles, but that's what it was. And then as publishing morphed into more online, uh, nobody liked that. Chief marketing officers didn't like that title. Marketing directors didn't want it. They didn't even know what custom publishing was. So as I was talking, I mean, I was going on sales calls, talking with all these people, and I'm like, nobody likes what I'm calling. If I go in and say, oh, I want to sell you custom publishing, I mean, the door is already shut. They don't even want to talk to me about it. I'm like, I've got to come up with something. And then, you know, I just did a little common sense stuff, Troy, where, you know, like, if you're talking to marketers, you have to call what you do marketing or they don't think it's relevant. We're very simple people as marketers. Mm. So I said, oh, okay, well, content and marketing, we should just call it content marketing. Mm. And I don't know if I coined the term. I've been using the term since 2001. A lot of people give me credit for that. I don't know if I came up with it. I probably was the one that produced it to a point where people started to say it's a thing. Mm. So in 2007, my first blog post, which April 26, 2007, was why content marketing? And I went through, like, this thing has always been there. Like, mm. I, that was that post that I re basically talked about the different definitions and we're going to call it content marketing that, from that point. And from then on, there was no question. That was the industry. And then what was really cool in about 2008, the people like Brian Clark from Copyblogger got on board and he started calling it copy blog, uh, uh, content marketing and he didn't even like the term, yeah. which was so funny. He didn't want to call it that, but he did because that's what people started calling it. Hmm. So, I mean, my advice to your audience would be, you know, if there is some ambiguity around a certain thing that you're doing, I think it's completely okay to say this is what we're calling it now, as long as it makes sense. Yeah. Run it by a few people. Do your, you know, look at your your Google Trends analysis and see if there's some rising terms around it or some opportunities there. Uh, I mean, and the, and this is not anything that you know only up uh, only our group has done. HubSpot did the same thing. Mm. And we all know HubSpot, right? They did the same thing with inbound marketing. Nobody yeah. was using inbound marketing. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, this is inbound marketing. It's always been this way. So it's just funny that content marketing, inbound marketing was sort of doing the same thing where we were just taking over a term. And of course, now if you type in any term in content marketing, we come up for it because mm. we've got the most history around that topic. And so I, I, I think that if you look at what your content niche is for any of the audience, members listening to this, you can really start to figure out, well, what are we calling? What are we doing? I think it's completely okay if everybody's calling it something different. And I think the thing that, that I mean, I've seen this happen so many times where you can see that somebody is trying to coin a phrase purely just to own the market. And then you can see where it kind of happens organically, where the Content Marketing Institute, and I don't mean to you know, blow smoke where it doesn't belong, but I, you can see that it's an organic thing. It's not, it's not a stamp that you invented just in, in order to own that corner of the room, that it was something that evolved organically. And HubSpot have done the same thing with, with inbound marketing. Um, so I'm, I'm still, so this, this, you know, your profile online, you speak, you write, you're an author. A lot of, our, a lot of members of our audience kind of struggle with that, putting themselves out there because, you know, I mean, I've had conversation with many members about starting a podcast or being more active mm -hmm. on their blog or even, you know, shooting some videos or yep. being, you know, exposing themselves more to their audience. And a lot of people are very hesitant to do that. Do you have any kind of advice for people who are a little bit shy or a little bit scared of putting themselves out there? And, and in fact, maybe, you know, what are the benefits of having a more public profile? Well, you... <sighs> It doesn't have to be just you, right? I mean, like we created the Content Marketing Institute. I just happened to have a voice on there. It you, you could you could create it like a community. You could have people in it. It doesn't have to be just you. It doesn't have to be all personal branding. Um, so think of first of all, think about what you're trying to do and what that content niche is where you can be the expert. That's the most important thing. And then you'll start to realize there's some business benefits to this. I mean, I I'm a big fan of 
people like um, Drucker and Don mm -hmm. Schultz. And what I've learned from them is that there's really only way to differentiate yourself, and that's through communication. And if you don't differentiate yourself, you're always fighting with people on price mm -hmm. or you're doing proposals. And mm -hmm. I don't want to spend my time wasting that. I want <laughs> to be the one and I want to charge the most for it because mm -hmm. they see me as the expert. So if you are um, an entrepreneur or you've got a small team, regardless of whether your personal brand is there or not, you have to figure out, okay, what's the niche that we can really be the leading expert in the world? And then you can figure out what makes the most sense for you how to tell that story. So let's say you don't want to get in front of a camera. You don't want to do videos. Fine. Do a, do a podcast. Let's say you're not really good at talking. That's fine. I mean, try a text blog. Uh, maybe you're really good at design. Uh, do infographic series. Do white paper. Do reports. I mean, the, do a print magazine. Do a newsletter. It doesn't matter. And you could tell that story a lot of different ways. The goal is, though, you have to build an audience and you want to build a relationship with that audience so that you can really sell whatever you want to that audience because they begin to trust you. It yeah. doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. All the examples you look at, like your copy bloggers of the world, like Moz, who did this kind of strategy, it took two, three years to do that. But now they're the unquestioned leaders in their industry and they've got a full team behind them. I mean, copy blogger is a brand. It's not Brian Clark. Mm. If you notice, Brian Clark's not seen very much on copy blogger anymore. He's That's doing right. a lot of other things. He's doing yeah. a lot of strategy. So it, it, if you're scared, you know what? We're all scared. I get scared to put myself out there. I mean, the first time I got a negative review on Epic Content Marketing, I went ballistic and I wrote back, <laughs> I did, which I shouldn't have done, but it's there. It's on Amazon. You can see the stupid things that I wrote on there. You just sort of, you got to learn to just, you, 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 we're so critical on ourselves. You got to sort of let that kind of fall off your shoulder. But there's so much opportunity right now. That's the thing. Since there's no barriers to entry, we can all publish our own content. We can all build audiences. We have access. I, we have access to each other like we've never had before. I think that right now is gold rush time like real estate days. Like I really believe that if, we, if you can move in the next 18 months, I think that you're really building an asset for the long term. And the longer you wake, the harder it's going to be. Mm. Uh, I think it's Susan Jeffries who wrote the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, which is a, a little <laughs> mantra that, because, you know, everyone I've spoken to who, who has either got a successful podcast or Brian Clark I've had on the podcast, on this podcast, um, some of the other names in the WordPress space like Chris Lemmer, uh, some, of the, some of the real big yep. hitters of the space, they all admit to having imposter syndrome at some point and feeling nervous or feeling scared of putting themselves out there and having an opinion, but they just managed to embrace that fear and do it anyway. And the payoff is, you know, definitely worth the investment and worth that, worth getting through that fear. Yeah. You got, and you got to do it, but start somewhere. You don't have to start by doing, you know, going out and speaking in front of 2000 people. You can mm. start it by actually doing a podcast and practicing, mm. you know, if, if you're happy enough with it, produce it a little bit and, you know, send it out there and see how it goes. It's, it's just amazing what can happen, but you don't learn. I mean, the first thing like my the, my first year of blogging is a disaster. I mean, I thought my writing was terrible when I look back on those. And well, and then I'm sure four years from now, I'll look back on my writing that I did yesterday. And that's awful. So we just learn and we evolve. And but you got to start somewhere. Um, I'm looking at the I just want to talk a little bit about the business model with Content Marketing Institute. You guys do uh, you have some training products online. You also do some consulting. Uh, you've got sponsorship in the podcast is the focus on productizing or is the focus on client services uh no the focus is not on client services right there's only one we do about two percent three percent of our total business is consulting and the only reason why we do that troy is so we can keep our ear to the ground and have a better understanding of what's going on i don't yeah. we don't need to make a profit off of that we just want to be involved in projects so we know what's going on most of its training and advisory 50 percent of our business is events so right. content marketing world is the is the largest part of our business. Um, the you know rather large. We'll have over 100 exhibitors at that event this year. Uh, between 3,500 and 4,000 people from 50 countries will come into Cleveland wow. for that event. Uh, we have a West Coast event, Intelligent Content Conference. We do the Sydney and Singapore events. We have a lot of online events. We do. I think last year we did some something like 50 webinars. That were all sponsored. Um, so from a product standpoint. My, our product is the event. Um, so, so that's what we're focusing on. We do have online training and those types of things. But really, if you look at the model, our model is to do all kinds of other things, webinars and training and everything. Everything leads to the event. 
that's what really funds everything else we do. All the research we do, it funds everything. So um, that's what everybody knows. We know we want we want to attract subscribers. We want to keep subscribers. And ultimately, if we can wrap them in three or four pieces of content, so get them signed up for our magazine, Chief Content Officer, uh, have them signed up for the blog, uh, download uh, our research, uh, go to a webinar. We've just taken their chances for going to our event a hundredfold. Wow. So that I want to be the octopus of content. I want to wrap our customers in so much wonderful content that they would never think of going anywhere else for their education. And that's what we're trying to do. But yeah, the business model is almost solely around the events. And just so you know, I don't know if you're interested, but 70% of our revenues from that event comes from registration and 30% from sponsorship. That, I was going to ask that actually, because um, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'd like to hear it from someone who does this. How do you like... Is it kind of weird that you're putting that you're a commercial organization, you're putting on an event where you charge people to come to that event, and then you go and approach sponsors and say, well, hey, you should give us some money to sponsor this event as well? Um, <laughs> do I, I do not feel weird about it at all. <laughs> no, I, I mean, by, if you start a business, uh, I mean, the best strategy for starting a business is just sell things. I mean, yeah, you just, yeah, yeah. whatever you need to sell to make money. I mean, in 2009, when the business wasn't doing all that well, I mean, I almost had to go back and work for the man. At that point, I just needed revenue because I needed to feed yeah. the kids. Yeah. So it really doesn't, you know, you do, you do what you got to do. No, um, for the event, for events to really work, you need the ecosystem of the learners there and you need the technology providers. You need the tools there. Right. So it makes perfect sense to do that. And I mean, I'll tell you I, what I love about, you know, we don't, I mean, I, you might think it's a lot of money. I don't even think it's a lot of money to, to have a booth at our event, but I go up to them afterwards and a couple days later, they say, Joe, we closed a six figure deal at the show. Mm. We're helping them get food on their tables too. Yeah. So we're all helping each other. And you know, I do not feel bad about it at all because if I believe in the product that we're offering, we're doing a service, not only for them, but for the people that they're servicing. And that's just a, a a domino effect and everybody being helped. And I think, and I, and, and, um, I meant that question with all due respect. I, I, I get it. I've run events in the past that are on much smaller scale. I think there are members of our audience that might kind of go, why would they sponsor your event? And I think you answered the question before is because you've done the work building an audience and you have the ability, or the Content Marketing Institute has the ability to put hundreds of people in a room all focused on one, you know, these companies that's a captive audience for them, and that's the, the benefit in them sponsoring an event. Yeah, um, they, can, they don't have access a lot. So we have, yeah, 36 of the Fortune 100 were represented at our event. I mean, these are content marketing people, and our sponsors can't reach those people, or right. they haven't built their own audience building tools to reach those people. So that's where we come in, and that's why everybody listening to this, if you create your own audience, then you're going to have people that can't do what you do and they want to reach that audience. And you can monetize that however you want. You don't have to monetize it through WordPress services. You can monetize it through sponsorship, events, products, whatever you want. I want to talk a little bit about the, the online training you've got. Um, are you guys, are you, I'm looking through here, are you, you guys are like a certified training organization, yeah? We, we so there's, you get a certificate of completion from the Content Marketing Institute. Right now, we right. don't have any affiliation with a college or a university. That will be that will happen in the next two years. Gotcha. I really believe that that will happen. Uh, we're really clear to say, look, you get a certificate of completion. If you go through everything, you'll see that. Um, the, the what I love about it is it's it's built by the community. If you look at all the people that are teaching the courses there. They're all the leading experts in the content marketing industry. They've all written books or they work for some of the largest brands out there. And that's what our target, our target are large companies, large enterprise marketers. So that's what I love about it. It's not just me. It's not just Robert Rose doing all the training. These are people that are in the field that have problems that are dealing with them. And that's why I like that program. And, uh, and we just keep adding to it. And that's, I mean, our goal is not like my goal is not to sign you up for that online training. Our goal is to get IBM to buy 50 or 100 seats to that training. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. That's how we monetize it. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Um, there was something else. I oh, the podcast. I heard you mention on the, on Michael Stelzner's podcast recently that you launched um, you launched the did you launch the podcast with sponsors from day one? We had sponsorship after episode four, God. I believe. Wow. So we needed a couple of weeks to get going, but and it, it was fast. It was fast. Let me, Troy. It was much faster than I thought. 
Right. And I could not believe I could not believe that um, we were able to build an audience so fast. But that's the reason why is because we already had the 100,000 plus subscribers to our right. email gotcha. that we could let them know. And then those people that want to listen to a podcast, which, you know, in general could be 10 to 20 percent of our audience. Yeah. Great. Those people got it. There are regular listeners. We build it up over time. And it works fantastic. Yeah, and you, you, you don't have to do this. If you're a business-to-business business company and you have a podcast, you don't have to do it by a CPM rate. You could charge whatever you can get mm. for that because your audience is different depending on what the buying power is of the audience. Mm. Um, you just snuck something in there about your subscriber numbers. And we all know that building, a, 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 we, you know, well, I think everyone all knows by now that building a, an email list of subscribers is the most valuable thing in any business. Like, pr right. you know, pre-email, it was like building an ACT database of loyal customers and leads and prospects. And I'm looking at your website now. There are things that you give away on your website. Uh, you do ask people to subscribe to get daily articles uh, and news. You also give away an ebook. At the moment, you're giving away an ebook called The Ultimate Guide to Building a Content Factory. Um, and that is, I'm assuming, going to um, ask me for an email address to download that. Um, HubSpot do this very well as well. They give away a lot of free stuff and, and, and use email address and use email capture. Um, we, in our space, I find that the, the people who are building websites and are really aware of this are kind of, for, I don't know why, but they're kind of a little bit, sh uh, shady about these kind of tactics, right? So okay. what do you, what do you, and I've actually presented at conferences where people have gone, oh, we would never do that because we feel like it's spammy. How do you, and I know that it's not, I mean, it's how we've built our business, building yeah. an email list. You've like, done a great job doing your, that, I, I've checked out your site, you're yeah. doing a great job. E, like yeah. I wouldn't be here without eBooks, like three eBooks and three years and you know, that's actually five years, three eBooks, that's why we're here. But how do you answer that question when someone says, oh, we would never do that because that's a bit shady? If what you're sending them, so let's say, however, you know, we have multiple ways to get, most 99% of our content is free and you, it's not gated and you can get to it with that. And then we have 1%, yes. If you want certain reports, uh, you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, we're going to ask you for your email address. Name and email is all we're going to ask. Yeah. If we send you something of value, it's how can it be spammy? <laughs> I mean, if it's and that's our goal. I mean, like yeah. for example, there was a time where we thought our weekly newsletter was not as much of a value. We were not seeing the kind of open rates and click-throughs we wanted to. So every week I write an article that you can only get in that e-newsletter. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't link to it. It's not mm. online. It's just in that. So, mm. and which has really helped. So people have, have really, uh, uh, that's worked for us. Mm. Um, it, so everything has to be valuable. If you're selling in it, yes, you're not going to be successful. Mm. But if you are giving away value ongoing, they, all they're going to do is thank you. And I, I mean, just to show you, so yes, we do a popover. As your audience might say, oh my gosh, mm. how do you do a popover or a pop-up? Mm. Well, our pop-up generates about 60% of our daily subscribers. We get about 140 subscribers a day, yep. and more than half of those come from the popover. Yeah. What I've learned is that those people that sign up to that popover, they become some of our best customers. Mm. They're the ones sending emails to us saying, thank you for all the content. You're you can help me get a new job. It's not spammy at all. All we're doing is trying to help. So the other thing that I would say is you've got so many of your audience probably building a, a following on social media. And the problem is, is that you don't own that audience. You, you, don't, you can't control that audience. You don't own any audience, but you can't control it. So you're putting money into Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and God knows what. But Facebook could just say, okay, you don't have to get access to that tomorrow. LinkedIn could do the same thing. At least with email, I have some control. If I sign up people to my print magazine, I have some control over that. And if you can't build an audience, you don't have a business model, in my opinion. The, a new business model, the one you and I are talking about, you can't do it without an audience. And email is at the top of that subscription hierarchy. I couldn't agree more. And I hope that answers everyone's question. Um, uh, that, that, you know, I hope that answers the question that I continue to have with our members is, you know, the best time to start building an email list was yesterday. The second best time is, is now. Yeah, um, just send them something valuable. They'll that's always right. thank you for it. Now, yeah. you write a column for, for entrepreneur.com and LinkedIn. How did, I do. How did the LinkedIn column, how did the LinkedIn column come about? Because I, uh, I imagine they're not just kind of like asking anyone to write columns. I imagine you need well, to kind of... It was interesting. The LinkedIn, I became a LinkedIn influencer. Uh, I mean, we, I, just because of my associations and content market, LinkedIn was a, 
sponsor of ours. So they bought Exhibit at our space. They sponsored a lot of the things that we're doing because they believe in content marketing and they have products that they're selling around content marketing services. And they said, Joe, we want somebody to write on marketing and would you be one of our influencers around marketing? And so I, you know, I said yes to that. And then the entrepreneur thing, same thing came aboard. And it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but like when you build a, a platform like mm. you and I have built, you get offers every day to mm. do this. I mean, I've gotten offers to write in most of the publications in the industry uh, because you know, you're, you have, you're credible mm. and you're recognized as the leader. And not that I think I am the, the smartest. I absolutely am not. There are so many smarter, much smarter people that know this field better than I do. Uh, I might be one of the better ones at promoting it yeah. and selling it a little bit uh, at getting myself out there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, and again, it's reaching a new audience. So people go to Entrepreneur on LinkedIn and they see my stuff and they go through. And if you go to any of my LinkedIn articles, you'll follow through and say, oh, there's Joe's subscription link. Absolutely. Because we're trying to build an audience because I know that if we don't have that email audience, we can't do anything else we're trying to do. Awesome. I love it. All right. We should do our elevation round, our lightning round, series of quick questions. Uh, for those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So I'm going to ask Joe a series of quick questions here, and hopefully he's going to give us some quick answers off the top of his head. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Uh, they, they need to position themselves as an expert around some informational niche that they can actually be the leading expert and build an audience. Yes, and the key there is that they can actually be the leading expert and build an audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? I think I know the answer to this question. Yeah, build, yeah, build an audience. We don't have to go out and find new customers. Our customers come to us. Yeah. How do you stop competing on price? <laughs> it's the same thing. Be the leading expert in something. Go really small. So for this audience, you can't just be a WordPress consultant. You have to be the leading provider of WordPress consulting to manufacturers in Perth, in the Perth area or something yeah. like that. You have to really focus on that. Yeah. And then you can say, I'm a leading expert in this industry and you can then charge whatever you want. Yeah. So so a little left-hand turn out of the elevation round for a second. One of the most common questions I get is, I've obviously found my niche, right? My niche is, weirdly enough, is actually educating people just like myself who are WordPress consultants in how to actually grow your business up, right? Get out of being a freelancer and become an agency and run a successful business. What if you don't know what your niche is? How do you find your niche? Well, that, this is a whole nother program. I know. I know. <laughs> but here, so here's the real quick, real quick. So we call it a sweet spot. You yeah. have to find that sweet spot between some skill area that you have and some passion point. Yeah. And it could be a lot of different things. It might not be around WordPress. It might be something else, whatever that is. But let's mm -hmm. just say it's around some business. Great. Okay, you found it. Then you have to do something we call the content tilt. You have to move that area in such a way that it positions you that you're telling a different story. Yeah. Because what happens is like, let's take SEO, right? How many SEO eBooks are there in the world? Mm. Like 20 million. Yeah. <laughs> because every SEO company has an SEO eBook. Mm. So you have to tell the story a little bit differently. And that's what so many WordPress consultants do wrong because they're all talking the same thing. They're all doing the same blog post, the same content. It's nothing different. Mm. So you have to go smaller and then as a, a consultant might say, well, I don't want to do that because I might leave a certain audience out. Well, you can still take business from whatever you want to. We're talking about marketing here. Market to this little audience here. You can still take whatever jobs that come along, but you're going to be the leading expert here and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. So it's that finding that sweet spot, doing that content tilt, building the platform, actually building that base, and then down the road, a couple other steps, then you monetize that base. And in general, takes about 18 months if you do it right. That, my friend, is worth the price of admission alone. And for a free podcast, that's pretty good. Because that, that also, it's that fear of missing out, isn't it? Well, if I niche down and I just focus on accountants, then I'm going to miss out on all this other work. No, of course you're not going to miss out on that work. It's just where you put your efforts. I mean, oh, no, we're so real quick. I don't know how much time we got, but real quick. So I talked to a pet supplies company. This is recently. And, and they said, we're going to do content marketing, Joe. We're going to create a blog about pet supplies. I said, really? I said, do you know that there are a couple billion dollar companies right now that have blogs on pet supplies that will crush you, <laughs> that there's no way you could, they have a lot of advertising behind their blog and there's no way you're going to get through all that clutter. So well, we talked about some of their products. They had a lot of products for uh, pet owners that like to travel. Mm -hmm. So we talked about, well, what if you created a blog for pet owners that like to travel with their dogs in recreational vehicles? Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's too niche. I'm like, 
you can be the leader in that area. Mm. You know what? That's a big, that's a big multi-billion dollar niche that nobody knows about. I'm like, totally. don't worry about th- Maybe that's all you should sell is that. But maybe so it's this that kind of thing is you can accept money from anybody you want to, but you need to market to an audience that matters that you can really be the expert. Absolutely. You know, like my, my wife and I like getting away for weekends and we've got a little dog, right? So every time we look for accommodation down the beach, we're going to find pet-friendly accommodation. You know how underserved that market is here in yes. Australia? So true. You could own that space like that because nobody's paying attention to that. And there are hundreds of thousands of couples and families just like us who want to get away on the weekend who have a dog. You either got to put the dog in the kennel or you take the pet with you. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, it resonates uh, wholeheartedly. I think I know the answer to this question as well. Any tips on writing better proposals? <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't write any RFPs or proposals. Yeah, I mean, that's so, I'm, so yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, no, we don't got be out sorry. Of the, we got out of the RFP business a long, long... No, what, here, yeah. so here's what's funny. I'll tell you a side story because this is so funny. So I went into one of the largest pup media companies on the planet, and if I said who it was, you would know who it was uh-huh. and where you're from. So you'd be like, oh, my God. And they were trying to sell to some of the same customers we are, and I put this big uh, PowerPoint uh, on the board, and, I, and all my... Uh, all the logos were there of all these big Fortune 100 companies, and they all the salespeople were there, and they're saying, "Yeah, we're trying to get into business with all those. How did you get those people as customers?" And I said, "They all filled out a form on our website, and they were floored." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like," and I said, "So this is the issue." I said, "You have all the resources in the world. We have no resources compared to you talking to them." Yeah. I said, "You have all the resources in the world, but." You're not sharing helpful content on a regular basis. You're not helping them. We are. We're attracting those people. I said, if you did that, you would attract those people, but you're not doing it. I don't know why. You're just not. Yeah, yeah. That's great advice. Um, Do you have a favorite tool for CRM? Um, I, well, I don't know if it's for CRM. I I love Pippity is my, like, one of my favorite. It integrates with WordPress. Okay. It's, uh, and and we, we, it integrates with our marketing automation tool as well. Mm -hmm. So, I love it because we can set it to, okay, do we want that popover form to come up on exit? Uh, yeah. Do we want it to come up after two pages in 10 seconds? Do we, do we don't want to show it again after 60 days if they close out? I love that that tool. That has generated you know well over 50,000 subscribers to our site. Wow. And I don't know what we do without it. So definitely, and then of course it integrates with our CRM system, cool. uh, Salesforce. But yeah, Pippity, love it. So you're using Salesforce for your, for your marketing automation stuff? Uh, we use Acton for our marketing automation, and we use Salesforce for our CRM. Okay, interesting. Acton, I'm, I'm not familiar with that one, but we'll, ha- we'll uh, add that to the list. You know, the, us guys in the WordPress space, man, we love shiny widgets. We can't get enough of them. Um, <laughs> so I'll add that to the resources as well. Um, okay, what is the best way to keep a project on track? Uh, project on track? Set proper expectations with the client and put those expectations into your agreement. Uh, what I've seen more more happen on client services side is they talk about, oh, a client went over on hours, did this, whatever. I said, well, did you have all that stated in the agreement? No. I said, well, the client can do whatever they want because you right. didn't say what the expectations were. That's Charge right. them for that. Yeah. Charge them for that. I'll tell you what, if you say, hey, if you don't do this, this, and this, and you put it in the agreement, they will, they will do whatever you want to do because they don't have it in their budget for their PO. So, Anyways, set the right expectations up front, get all that into the agreement, and you'll have clear sailing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I know the answer to this as well. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing clients or customers? Uh, well, I, give your customers something to talk about. Yeah. Give your, some, give your customers something that they can share with their audience. I mean, that's how we drive new people to content marketing world is we give our current readers something that they want to share. So before I wake up in the morning and our post is already our post has already been shared 500 700 times mm. and these are our what I would call our current customers. So you got to do it on a consistent basis. That's the biggest thing. You don't have to do it daily, mm. but you have to do it consistently. And I guess for referrals, focus on your customers. So you, let's say you have a small customer, let's say you have 10 or 20 or 30 customers. What can you do for those customers on a weekly or a monthly basis that just adds value to them that'll mm. get them talking about you and it can't be about you, right? Mm. It has to be about their pain points and needs and, th- mm. and that's what'll work. Nice, final question in the lightning round. What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Uh, well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think we probably talked about it. it it's. It's telling a story different. 
yeah. it's different than anyone else. And I'm assuming if if you have a competitor, if you have a lot of competitors that you're uh, going up against, mm. uh, you're probably not marketing correctly. Yeah. You probably need to market to a niche that you can really be the expert in, and and uh, your customers will, will see that difference in the content that you create. Because you're, well, we just want to create an experience. Mm. How do you create an experience? In a lot of cases, you do that through the content that you serve up on a regular basis, and and uh, that'll that'll make you different from from as soon as they search or whatever they get it on social media sharing, they'll know you're different. Yeah, it's so true. And you know, I mean, my, my personal experience is um, that I, I mean, I haven't written a proposal for the last probably two years. Um, I can't remember the last time I wrote a proposal and all the leads that we get now are requesting that we work on a project because we have positioned ourselves as the experts in that space. And we're telling a slightly different story because frankly, if you want a WordPress website built, you can go to Odesk or Elance and you can get a WordPress website built for under 300 bucks. So how do you compete with that? You don't. You tell a different story and you play a completely different game. That's exactly right. Um, All right, let's do this quick uh, competition announcement before we wrap up. As I said, I'm giving away a copy of um, Joe's latest book, Epic Content Marketing. Now, in order to enter the competition, Joe wants to know, what is the number one challenge you have getting content from your clients? And uh, is that is that right? Is that is that have I phrased that? That's right? a good one. Yeah, get, getting client. Yeah. So let's say that's a, the way you put it is perfect. Let's do that. Cool. So leave a comment underneath this video, which if you're just listening to this, you can find the show notes in this video at wpelevation.com slash Joe Polizzi, all one word, J-O-E-P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. Leave a comment under the video and I'll get Joe to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Hey, Joe Polizzi, thank you so much for spending uh, almost 50 minutes here with us on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute honor to finally chat with you, you know, video to video after following you for so long. Well, will you have me back? Absolutely. And All in right. Fact- I, hey, I got so I got a new book coming out in which which talks about just for entrepreneurs and small businesses. So it's coming out in September called Content Inc. And I'd love if you could have me back. I'll definitely have you back. And in fact, I'm also just looking at the calendar here. And uh, so Content Marketing Sydney is on in like 10 days. Yeah, 16th through the 18th of March. And then Singapore is 19th through the 20th. All right. Well, I might even have to get up to Sydney and uh, and come and uh, buy you a a drink at uh, Content Marketing in Sydney. Oh, you're on. It's done. Awesome. It's a done deal. (laughs) Hey, final question. Who would you like me to try and interview and why? Um, Have you ever interviewed Andrew Davis? No. Andrew Davis, you gotta have him on. One of the most dynamic speakers and thinkers I've ever seen. Uh, he keynoted at Content Marketing World last year, blew the doors off the place. Uh, he's He thinks about content issues differently than anyone else I know, and he's a great interview, and you gotta have him on. Awesome, Andrew Davis, I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Joe Polizzi, so keep you your go. eyes on your inbox. Hey, thanks again. I wish you all the best uh, uh, for the next year, and I look forward to uh, keeping in touch and seeing the impact that you guys continue to have on the marketing world, and thank you for everything you do. Thanks, Troy. I really appreciate it. Keep doing your thing as well. Cheers. All right, I hope you enjoyed meeting Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute as much as I did. Uh, of course, get on over to wpelevation.com slash subscribe and subscribe to the podcast and we'll email you every Thursday with an update with a new episode or you can subscribe on iTunes. And please leave us a rating and a review and tell us what you like about the podcast. It really helps us come up in the search results and reach a wider audience. Uh, leave a comment under the video and tell Joe the number one challenge you have with getting content from clients and you could win a copy of his new book, Epic Content Marketing. Next week on the podcast, we have Jason Lemure from Vernal Creative, and they've also created a product called Postmatic, which allows you to increase engagement on your WordPress blog by having your readers post comments via email. It's a fascinating interview. It's already in the can, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week on the podcast. Until then, I've been Troy Dean. Go Elevate.